States. Hey, if you can open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, that's where we're going to be at. Philippians chapter 4. Over the past few weeks, we've been reading verse by verse through this book, which is actually a letter written by a guy named Apostle Paul, um, and he's inside of a Roman prison. And if you've been with us uh, for the last few weeks, we know that Apostle Paul, he's actually writing this letter, and we can see this theme of joy. Can everyone say joy this morning? Okay, that was a little, little, little hard. Um, I, again, know with the Huskers loss in Minnesota, it's a little hard, um, but we will get there. And we'll have joy in all circumstances. Amen. Can we say joy this morning, church? Joy. There we go. That is awesome. Uh, we discovered this theme of joy. And uh, Philippians, really, you can read the whole book. It's, uh, it's only four uh, chapters. You can read about 15 minutes. But the words joy and rejoice are actually found 16 times through this little short book. And I think the reason we see this is because Paul really wants his readers to know about this thing called joy, that we can receive joy. And better yet, we can find out how to live a joy-filled life. Anyone here would like to have a joy-filled life. Come on now. Anyone in the room? Some joy in your life. I think, now let's ask this question. How many of you guys think we need a little bit of Jesus's joy in our world? Amen. And so the only way, this is kind of the left hook, if you will, the only way for Jesus's joy to be in this world is through you as his followers. The only way this world can experience joy, Jesus's joy, is through you. I think a lot of times we see what Jesus has done in Scripture, and we see our world, and we see that they're, they're vastly different. And we're wondering, Jesus, why don't you just make this world a better place? And I think Jesus is saying, I really want to, but I do it through you. And it's almost like we expect Jesus, because he is all God, to come down and just have his way with this world and just to supernaturally say, here's your joy, and throw it at us. But Jesus doesn't work like that. He works through you. It's his character. It's the reason actually why we were created is so that we can glorify God and to spread his joy in this world. And that's why we're going through the book of Philippians. And like I said, we're going to be wrapping up in Philippians chapter 4. And so if you're brand new to, uh, to us today, to the Rock Church, it might seem like you're jumping in, kind of a tail end of a movie. And you, you really kind of are. And so if you missed out, uh, everything is recorded, including the sermon. You can go on therocknp.com, uh, catch up on all previous sermons right there. But I want to jump in straight in today at chapter 4, and we want to remember, remind us that he's writing this from a prison cell, uh, not just any ordinary prison cell. In fact, we, uh, you kind of see the, the picture there. We see the prison cell with the light shining in. It's like, oh, it doesn't really look that bad. Add a bed in there and, you know, three meals three times a day, I'd be all right, right? Some of us, we might want to go there, right? It's like it's like a little bit better. Um, his prison cell is actually way, way worse than that. Uh, you see, Paul, he was in a Roman prison cell, which means his cell was maximum security. He is chained to a guard 24-7. He's never unchained from his ankle. Um, he's chained below ground, so it's usually pitch black unless there's a torch there. Um, there's no circulating air. There's no air conditioner when it gets hot. There's no heater when it gets cold. Uh, they're fending off the rats so they can eat the little tiny uh, kind of morsels of food that they were given, probably rotten. Um, and so he's just, he's just in this really, 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 really bad place, and he pens this letter talking about joy, and he writes this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, where we're going to start out. He says this in the midst of his circumstance. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, you can really stop and put, therefore, Rock Church, because he's speaking to us as well. Therefore, Rock Church, stay true to the Lord. 
I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy, the crown I receive for my work. Now, really put your finger right there. Paul, by kind of his passion and what God has called him to do, Paul is a church planter. That's what he did. He planted churches. He would plant them, and then he would hand it off to someone else, and they would kind of raise up the churches. And his whole passion, after he was radically saved on the road to Damascus, he was radically saved, and he started planting churches all around kind of where he grew up, kind of in the Middle East area, and now he's in Rome, which we'll talk about later in the sermon. But he's having this pastor moment where he stops and just admonishes his church, encouraging them to stay true to Jesus, and he really, really, really loves them. And I just want to stop right there. I'm like, if Paul could do it, maybe I better do it. I try to do it as much as I can, but I just want to kind of admonish you guys. You guys are an amazing church. I hope you guys know that. You guys are an amazing church. Um, if you don't do it really creepily, because it might be creepy, but if you look around just really quick, the church wasn't like this a few years back, and it's because this church is growing you guys are the reason why that's happened. Yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus is growing this church. But how many here came here because someone invited them? Majority of us. And that's because someone here saw what God was doing and invited you. So I just want to stop a moment to say, thank you, Rock Church, for being an amazing church. You guys are truly an honor to pastor. My wife and I count it a privilege to pastor you guys. And I know it's Pastor Appreciation Month, um, but it's just really, I I see it that if, if there's a church appreciation month, this would be it. Because you guys are an amazing church. In fact, in fact, this church is, I'm, I don't want to sound really cocky or just like really prideful of this church. Um, but let me kind of put this out there for you. Um, God is doing something special in this church. He's doing something special in this church. Uh, last week, um, we had Rocktoberfest, and it was a huge, awesome turnout. And we had between 300 to 500 people show up for Rocktoberfest last Sunday. Come on, give it up. <laughs> give it up. That's good. Let's rejoice in that. That's awesome. Now, you're probably thinking, Vaughn, we don't have 300 to 500 people in service today. I can count, and I realize that. But what happened, though, is those 300 to 500 people came here, and they saw a church that's willing to go outside their four walls and love those who maybe have been loved in a very long time. There was a lot of broken people that came to Rocktoberfest last week, and a lot of you, again, kudos to you, because you went out of your way to welcome them into our church, to love on them. Some of you here this morning are returning from that. Welcome to the Rock Church, and just know that you are loved. So it was huge. Uh, We have a thing called Family Faith Day, where we had over 200 people show up to that, and the gospel was preached very clearly and plainly by David and Laugh, and 200 people came out and heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. About every week here, someone is giving their hearts to Christ, and it's because God is up to something here at the Rock Church. Uh, We have gone from an average of 70 people in attendance to now about 120 on a Sunday. Our Kids Rock Wing has grown just from a few kids to to almost 50 on a Sunday. Uh, I mean, over just the last few weeks in nursery alone, we've had about 10 babies there in nursery, which tells me this, y'all like to have babies. (laughs) Some of you guys like to have practicing having babies. You can laugh at that. You can laugh at that in church. It's okay. But I love the Rock Church, and it's not because I think we're the best of the best Rock Churches by any means, but I'm just saying God is up to something here at the Rock Church. There's life change happening here. And I'm so excited, and I just want to say thank you for allowing me to pastor you guys. You guys are an awesome church, and I cannot wait to see what the next four years are going to look like. 
It's amazing what God is doing here. I'm so proud of this church, the work you put all in the body of Jesus so that the name of Jesus can be known in North Platte. So can we just give it up for one more time what God is doing here at the Rock Church? Let's rejoice in that. Come on. And really, this is what Paul is talking about right here as we read our main verse for this series, Philippians 4.4. It says, always be full of the joy of the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And we learned that we need to have joy, but we're called to actually to rejoice. Rejoice means to express your joy. Express it. Like, we can't just say we have joy, but our facial expression says, I don't really give anything. It's whatever. That we're actually called to rejoice. We're called to express it, embody it. In fact, if you really want to do some, some language study on the word rejoice, simply means to spin around really fast with your hands out. None of you want to do that, so I'm not going to ask us. I see that right now. They're like, he better not ask me to do that because I ain't doing it. But it simply means to dance. It simply means to, 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 to physically express joy in your life, the joy of the Lord. Be joyful for what the Lord is doing. And if you don't see him doing anything, like you feel like he's not doing anything, you can at least know the character of God, the very essence of who he is. God is always up to something good in your life. He's always something good. There was a, I thank you for the few amens back there. I appreciate that. That should have been a lot of amens right there because a lot of times we're in this season where it's like, Lord, where are you? I don't see you. God, I'm hurting. And we've kind of become blinded for what God is doing. And you need to know, you need to know, not just in the good times, but very much so in the bad times, God is always up to something good in your life. He's always up to something good in your life. And so Paul, he continues in Philippians 4, 6, and he says this, this little short verse, we're going to stop to kind of hash this out. He says this, it was one of the most kind of famous scriptures uh, that we quote. He says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been giving you things called joy killers, things that are in this world that are out to steal and kill your joy. And to wrap this up, I think it's kind of only fitting if, we, if I give you a couple more. But right here, I think, is the biggest joy killer in our world right now. The biggest joy killer. And it's a short little word called worry. Some of your translations say anxiety or don't be anxious. That is the biggest joy killer that we have. Everything tells us in our world, I mean, oh my goodness, especially what's been happening in the past couple days in our political realm. You flip on Fox or CNN or whatever, whatever uh, thing you watch, they're telling you, you need to start freaking out. You need to freak out. You need to worry. You need to have anxiety. You need to be so consumed what's happening. You need to start kind of like, oh, and running around with your head cut off like a chicken. It's like, what, what do you do? They want you to respond like that. Everything in our world is telling us to worry. We see devastating news articles, uh, Facebook posts, even gossip that tells us we just need to be anxious and worry. In fact, I believe worry is such an epidemic that we'll, we're actually we're beginning a new sermon series next week called It's the End of the World as We Know It. You guys know the song? And I feel fine. That is what the Lord is calling us as Christians to embody. Yes, the world might be ending. It might end tomorrow but I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be all right. You know why? Because I have the joy of the Lord. That joy is so powerful. I don't think we quite, I haven't even quite grasped joy yet because it's, so, it's that big. Like no matter what comes your way, 
you're okay because you have the joy of the Lord. Jesus, who never changes. It's our main verse here at this church. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So why freak out? Why worry? Everything tells us that the world is going to end, and it very well may be. But as Christians, we're going to be all right because of our joy. is not determined by how the world is going. But our joy is rooted in the firm foundation that is Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you, a little plug-in for our sermon series next week, to stick with us over the next course of the next four weeks. And you'll kind of find out if you're I'm going to try to keep you sticking to every single Sunday. But this is a, going to be a great sermon series because it's going to teach us no matter what happens, we're going to be okay. We're going to be all right. So worry is our biggest joy killer. And it's because worry can run and ruin your life. It can kill your joy. And in fact, if you look at the root word worry, the root word worry actually translates down to strangle. How many of you guys have some worry and anxiety in your life? It just feels like it's choking the life out of you. Some of you have been clinically diagnosed with anxiety and it feels like an elephant is just pushing the life-giving breath out of your body and you feel trapped. That's how powerful worry and anxiety is. It tries to consume you. It tries to fill your every thought. It tries to kind of make you look at life in a very different way than Jesus wants you to look like. And so I, I want to take a few moments to really shed light on some of the things that we worry about. These are, I believe, our top three things that we worry, have anxiety about in this life. And I, I firmly, if you shed light on them, you'll know how to handle it a little better. If you ignore this stuff and push it aside and don't confront it, it's almost like putting something on the back burner it's letting it stew over and over and over and pretty soon it gets really messy. And so here's the top three things I believe we worry about. The first one, the first one that we worry about, I believe, is our why. Our why. That's the first blank in your notes. Asking why to our issues. Like we talked a couple weeks ago, more times than not, we ask why when we face our problems. God, why am I going through this? God, why is this happening to me? God, why, why, why does so-and-so pass away? God, why did I lose my job? Why, why, why? We keep asking this question of why. And the issue is, is more times than not, we don't get an answer to our why. Or we get an answer to our why and it doesn't satisfy us. I've been in that one. God, why is this happening? Well, this, this, what? Did it satisfy me? Of course not. We ask why. We want to know why. And that we have to come to a place as Jesus followers that when we find ourselves in a bad day or in a bad situation, that it's really not productive to ask why. Because in Scripture it says the Lord's ways, his ways are higher we're not going to fully understand the Lord's plan. We can't fully comprehend who Jesus is. And so to sit there in our pity party and sit there and say, I'm not going to do anything for you, God, until I know why, he's not going to let you know every time. And say, so if he does let you know, you're still not going to understand why, and it's not going to satisfy it. And so I think you can write this as a sub-thing. We need to stop asking why. We need to stop asking why. And if you really want to know the answer to why to all our problems, I can give it to you, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going to like it. But this is the answer. The reason we have issues in this world is because we live in a fallen world. That is the blanket statement over every bad thing that happens in this world. It's because we live in a fallen world. Some of you guys are like, that doesn't really explain everything. I know. That's why I just preached. 
But if you want to know, it's because God did not intend this world to be like this. But because of what happened, read in Genesis, you'll figure out the whole history of your whys. It's because of that. And we live in a cursed, cursed and fallen world. And when we live in a cursed and fallen world, bad things are bound to happen. And I know it's not fair. I know it can be horrible most times. But when we come to Jesus, it's not productive to ask why. It's not productive And when we ask why, and this is kind of the big one, why I don't want us to sit there and ask why in our pity party, we don't get the answer we're looking for, is because if you don't get the answer to your why, or you do and you don't like it, it causes you to worry more, and it causes you to have anger and bitterness towards people, and eventually God. And when it gets to that point, it's an issue. You don't want that. So we worry about our why. Here's the the second one. We worry about our who. We worry about our who, meaning the people in our lives. How many of you guys have people in your lives that cause you worry? Or you worry, come on, raise your hand. If you're not wearing your hand, it's probably you. (laughs) But we all have someone in our life that causes us worry. And this this could mean that we worry about them, if, if they're doing well or not. But I find out it's really more about the people in our lives that create the worry, or better yet, anxiety. I mean, to be honest, I've had and have people in my life that do this to me. And I'm the pastor, so you know it's a real issue. But maybe this is you, but there are people that if they, if I know that they're going to be at at an event that we have, my heart kind of beats a little quicker. Or if I see their car in Walmart, I pray that they're not in aisle 16 because that's the aisle I'm going to. (laughs) Now we just go in this pickup at Walmart, completely avoid everybody, don't we? (laughs) Or it's a family member that we're just, ah, oh, like the holidays would be great, but I know he's going to open his mouth. Or if this person would just, would just go because they're causing me that much worry, that much anxiety, it causes you tremendous worry. And I've had people in this life, it has been my friends, it has been family members, it has been coworkers, even people I've partnered in ministry with. And I'm this transparent with you to let you know this is a real issue. So don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Who causes worry in your life? And let me tell you, when you have people in your life that create worry, it turns toxic. It tur- you can just even see the bumper of their car and it ruins your whole day. It kills your joy. It, it really does. And, and I think that there's two points to this. This is a, a freebie for you. There's two things that you can do. Is Number one is you can get rid of them in your life. And sometimes it might call for that. They're that toxic. It causes that anxiety. And it's okay to just say, I, 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 you're, I can't have you in my life. And you're not saying they're a bad person. You're just simply saying, I, right now, we, we, can't, we can't do this. We can't do that. Or the other one is just confront them head on and see how it goes. Which both of them are good resolves. And it's hard because let me tell you, we as people, and I think social media has played into this, we are not confrontational people. But I look at scripture and I see Jesus confronts things right head on. I mean, there was issues in his father's house and he went and tore the whole thing up. 
And so who is the worry in your life? And this is hard, but, but the best antidote for this is really don't let them in your life. Because here, here's the thing, church. Maybe you can write this down. Maybe this be an encouragement for you. They don't have as much power over you as you think they might have. Let me say that one more time. I think I could be freeing to someone this morning. Is that person that causes you anxiety, that person that causes you worry, they do not have as much power as you think they may have over you. So stop giving it to them. Really, let me say it. Stop giving it to the enemy. Because let me tell you, we're not at war with one another. There's an enemy that we have, and he's doing everything to cause confusion and strife in your life. He is the one that's causing confusion and chaos and anxiety and worry in your life. Stop giving it to him. He doesn't have that much power. And if you need to cut it off, cut that relationship off, it's okay. It's all right. It's going to be fine. Don't let them in your life. And I'm not talking about really avoiding them in Walmart. Please don't do that. that that's just, it's not how God's body is supposed to work. But don't be in a place in your life that where they can influence how you operate in your day to the point where they can take your joy away. It's not good. So here's the third one we worry. We worry about our why, we worry about our who, and then that's when we worry about our what. We worry about our what. I could probably ask this question, what do you worry about? And we could probably stay here for a few hours and list off tons of different things that we worry. What do you worry about? In fact, I looked up the top things, why, what, what Americans worry about, and this is what I found out. Top worries in 2018 for Americans. This is our top worries. Number one is this. We worry about corrupt government officials. Yikes. People are worrying about the transparency of our government. Number two, Americans worry about global warming and pollution. Don't say anything. About, some of you guys are thinking in your political left and right brain here pretty quick. Don't, don't do that here. Number three, we worry that we don't have enough money for the future. Number four, then we worry about people that we love getting sick and dying. I mean, these are the things that's causing us fears. In fact, there, there's this thing called phobias. Have you guys looked up and researched phobias? Like, there's like thousands of different phobias, which is really, my personal opinion on them is like, uh, why? It just gives people an excuse to live in fear. Like, like, there's some real ones like this. The real one that I think a lot of people have is arachnophobia. Now, I will say there's been a trend where people have turned into little wimps because of a little spider in their window. You can't touch that little spider. My goodness. If you want to see a big spider, go out to a farm and look at those big barn spiders. Those things freak me out. Their fangs are as big as my fingers, and I think they're going to just, ugh, ugh, don't like them. But then there's, like, there's these phobias like this one. I'm like, man, you talk about the devil having a heyday in people's life. This is a real fear that thousands of people have. It's called teranophobia, where you're scared of being tickled to death by a feather. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Living in fear, looking over your back for the rest of your life, wondering if today is going to be the day. Someone's going to grab that feather and tickle you to death. People are scared about that. It's a real fear. People are clinically diagnosed with this. And you wonder why we live in a world that's so full of worry and anxiety. And that's funny, but I think we need to come to a serious point where worry, it's truly a joy killer. 
Worry and anxiety is truly a joy killer. But Jesus is very clear and tells us something in Luke chapter 12, verse 22. I want to read to you. This is what Jesus says. He's, he's talking to his disciples, and he says this in verse 22. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than just clothing. I mean, just look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns because God feeds them. How much are you more valuable to him than the birds? Some of you guys need to write that down and put that on your fridge to know that. Like, I am more valuable than the birds. Because the birds, they don't worry. Because God takes care of them. God will give you exactly what you need at the right moment. He really does. He'll give you exactly what you need. And he says in verse 25, he really sums it up kind of sarcastically. If you can hear it, the tone in his voice, he says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No, so why bother? It doesn't do you any good. You guys need to know if you need to, like, like, Quote this after me today just so you remember it. Pastor Vaughn says, I'm more valuable than the birds today. It's because you are. God has your back. He will take care of you. You'll have food when you need the food. You'll have clothing when you need the you need clothing all the time. But he's going to take care of you. You need to know that he's going to take care of you. Even the worst and worst situations, he's got your back. I mean, to put this very, just very simply, he's telling us that every day, no matter if you have a lot or a little, you have a choice to make. You have the choice of joy or not having joy. That's your choice. In fact, in Deuteronomy, he says, you have the, you have the choice of making life or death in your life. Yeah. You have the choice every single day, church, to choose joy or not to choose joy. And that's really the key to joy. This is the key to joy, I believe, uh, and according to the scripture, is to have joy, you must make the joy decision every day. You must make the joy decision every day. Because the reality of life is, is that worry and anxiety, guess what? It's not going away. It's going to be there. Those bad days, they're going to happen. Those worries and anxiety that you have, that person that just kind of takes you off, guess what? They're not going anywhere. They're going to be there. Your frustrations and stress from the day before, guess what? More than likely, you're going to wake up and they're still going to be right in front of you. But the mark of a mature Christian is how you handle your bad days. How do you handle your bad days? And so Paul, he wraps up this letter very beautifully with some super practical steps uh, that I believe he's been living out daily in that jail cell. And I hope you take these practical steps and take them seriously as we kind of conclude this, kind of put a nice little bow on top of this series. And this, this, the first step to have joy, to make that, that choice of joy every day is this, to pray about everything. Pray about everything. Look at Philippians 4, 6 through 7. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Please notice he doesn't say, don't worry about anything. Instead, post your frustrations on Facebook. Yell at your coworker today. Cuss someone out. Run someone off the road. Get angry at the McDonald's worker that your stuff was all messed up. He doesn't say any of that, but he does say this. He says, Pray. Pray about, you want to know something that I believe Christians have gone away from, especially in America, is the aspect and the power of praying to our God. 
praying to our Father in heaven who says, I want to hear your voice. In fact, prayer is so powerful. Do you know what Jesus is doing at this moment right now on your behalf? He's not relaxing and enjoying heaven. What he's doing, he's, he's sitting at the Father's feet, intercessing on your behalf. He's praying for you by name. And it's because he knows the power of prayer. And church, I think we got to get this point where we pray about everything. He goes on and says, tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. I love this section of Philippians. Tune in here, church. I love this section of Philippians because you see a common denominator. You see, our God is a God of promises. Amen, right? Amen. Which means he has a lot of things like this where he says, if you do this, then I will do that. And because God keeps his promises, you can know without a shadow of doubt, because that you'll do this, God will for sure do this in your life. It's called a promise. And God keeps his promises. This one, he says, you know, the promise is this, is that if you pray about everything in your life that causes you to worry, tell him what you would like to see and thank him for all that he's done in your life, God will then give you peace in your life. It's a promise. Thank God and pray to him. And then you'll know God will take care of you. He'll give you peace. And some of you are like thinking like, well, I don't really have peace right now. I don't, no, 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 no. And I can simply say this, go back to God and pray. Because I know my God. I, I, I've seen what Jesus has done in my life. And let me tell you, it's not like you go for a 15-second drive-through prayer and be like, God, would you do this? I'll see you later, bye. And you're wondering, God, why didn't you do anything? It's because, like, God's like, you just did a drive-through prayer. It's like, and I'm not saying you need to pray for hours long to get God's attention, but I'm saying this, sit at Jesus' feet and just hear his voice. Just be with God and know that everything will be okay. It's going to be all right. Read his word and understand God has always came through for his people. But you need to pray about everything, even when it seems like everything's going wrong in your life. We had a season like this. When we first moved here, we bought a house, and we got all moved in and settled. And I was about to leave to, uh, to Omaha with a bunch of my friends to uh, celebrate my birthday. And as about, we were about to leave, my wife comes out and says, Babe, you need this. There's water all over our kitchen floor. I'm like, whoa. Turn off the faucet. I don't know. <laughs> but I go in there, and it turns out that our hot water heater in this house that we just bought, that went through all the inspections and everything that told us that you will be okay, the bottom of the water heater rusted out, and it got water everywhere. On top of that, we just moved. We used all of our emergency expenses. The only money that we had was the money that I was going to use to celebrate me. And I knew that my birthday trip just got cut way down. So I had to buy a new hot water heater. So we had that happen. I go off to celebrate my birthday. We come back and we come back and, and all of a sudden the, the rain kind of picks up here a little bit and we start hearing this little tip, tip, tip. I'm like, what is that sound? A little, little, little drip? I'm like, what's, what's going on? Did you turn off? Is the sink on again? Did you turn it off? No. So we go in there. In our playroom, there's water dripping down. I'm like, oh, yeah, be kidding me. 
we got a leaky roof now. I'm like, you know, it's just a leak. We'll be all right. So we go to bed. We had a really bad storm that night. I wake up the next day. I go in the den area, the play area where the drip was. I see our light fixture is hanging down by the electrical unit. Half the sheetrock is on the floor, and there's water everywhere. I'm like, are you kidding me? The little leak turned into a stinking waterfall. <laughs> Please keep in mind, this is in the same season of us moving here. So, again, we don't have the money to fix this. We don't. And so we're freaking out. We're worrying. Like, what are, like we just spent $1,000 on hot water heater. Now we have to fix half our roof. Like, what are we going to do? You talk about having to worry. It was just, it was one bad thing after another bad thing. And we just sat there and we could have worried. And, I, and I'll be honest, we did worry. We worried a lot. We didn't know what we could do. We, we tried to pull every connection that we had. And on top of that, <laughs> I didn't even share this one. Top of that, we go up there with one of my buddies from the church. We go up there and inspect the thing, and my leg falls through the roof. So not only is there a hole, there's a Vaughn size hole in the roof. It's not good. And the best repair job that we could do with our budget was like leftover tar and a piece of plastic, and we just covered that whole sucker. And do you know what? It still leaked. It still leaked. And I tell you, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was worried. And we just, we, we actually finally just got fixed about a year ago because um, we were able to, able to save up our stuff. And, and on top of that, as soon as we got fixed, guess what? Another leak appeared. And I tell you all this not to like, oh man, like mom must live in a world. That's not, no, it's not the deal. I'm telling you this is, is we had every right to worry and to stress and have anxiety. And I can tell you every night our kids have memorized our prayers. They kind of pray the same thing that we pray. We sit down and we pray and we're like, Lord, we know you have it. God, would you just bless this house? We prayed it so much that when we asked Mike and Aspen to pray, they prayed the exact same thing. I don't think they have an idea what they're praying about. They're like, Lord, would you just take care of our house? Because <laughs> <laughs> we, we pray about it. We pray about it. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? You know what happened? The hot water heater got replaced. The roof got patched. And we're all right. Is everything perfect? No. Is everything okay? Yes. Why? Because when you take your worries to God, God hears your voice. He does. Sometimes we got to step back and take a deep breath. And let me tell you, we had a season of waiting. We had to wait a couple years. We had to fix some issues. But we had peace, and we knew that we were okay. It's all right. So you pray about everything, and the next one is this, what Paul talks about, Philippians uh, verse 8 at chapter 4. He talks about then you need to think about the right things. Think about the right things. Notice that all these things are action on your part. All of these things have to do with an action on your part. Verse 8, he says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, again, and now, Rock Church, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting them into practice, all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. How do you get peace in your life in this circumstance? Think about godly things. Think about the right things. Think about what is true and not just assumptions. I tell you what could be a huge killer in this life is assumptions. Because we conjure them up. We think of what something is and it's not true. 
We just assumed. And we all know what assuming does out of you and me. I think I can get away with that here. But it's another promise. You think about what is true, honorable, right, pure, and good. And then you continually practice it. Then the God of peace will be with you. The problem is, is that there's so much garbage out there. There's so much garbage out there in the form of movies that we watch, the music we listen to, people that we allow influence us. And more times than not, we know that these things are bad, but we think they won't affect us. We say, oh, I know it's bad, but I'll be okay. We do that with the bad things, but man, why don't we do that with the God things? God, I know it's bad, but I'm, I'll be okay. We freak out in those instances, but when we go to things, watch things, listen to things, be in people's presences that aren't good for us, we think of, oh, it's okay, it won't affect me. I'll be okay. I mean, I've been with people who just have really bad days and more times than not that we would enter a meeting and they would just lay out all their issues and it just seemed like, man, yeah, you are in a very bad day. Like, ugh, I don't want to be you right now. But they have this bad day and so I, I kind of dig a little deeper and this is kind of the, the train of thought that I go through and I do this and maybe you have been in that room with me. Um, but this is, uh, if you come in and you're like, man, it's got a lot of issues. I start with this and I said, you know, tell me how your, what, what, what does your day go like? And it usually looks like this. It says, well, I'm at work, but I'm on social media a lot. Okay. Like, I think we're getting somewhere with that a little bit. And I say, hey, tell me what music you listen to. Well, I listen to uh, a lot of uh, Cardi B and uh, Billie Eilish. Now, for those of you who don't know that is, uh, your children know, which is, don't let them know that. But I listen to a lot of that. I listen to a lot of just a lot of music that just talks a lot about, if I could just say one word, twerking. It's not good. It's not good. It influences you. Tell me what you're watching. Well, I binge a lot of Netflix. I've watched a lot of Game of Thrones recently. Probably not the best show to watch. What social media are you on? Well, I have all of them. I have Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. I'm on all of them. Can I just say this? Snapchat, it's probably not the best social media platform to be on. It's really, it was created out of secrecy, and anything that's created for secrecy never results in a good thing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because a lot of us have Snapchats. And I'm telling you all of this because all of this, while it could be good, it's mostly garbage. Now, am I saying that you have to go home and watch VeggieTales all the time? No. But you need to be careful what has influence in your life. You need to guard that. And to end the whole conversation with them, then I asked, then tell me about your time with God. And I can tell you, it's really disheartening because if I would sit down with you and ask you, tell me about your time with God, I'd probably get a deer in a headlight look. Because here's the reality. We have rivers of negativity and bad influence and garbage in our life, but only drops of God. We allow rivers of just mess and worry, anxiety, but just a little bit of God in our day. And you wonder why people have bad days. I'm being very serious, church. You wonder why the world's the way it is. You wonder why the church is in the state that you wonder why we have issues in our life. We're so consumed with everything else except for God.
And I'm telling you, when you turn your gaze from God, things are bound to get worse. That's what happens. We have to have our thoughts focused on the right things of God. And let me tell you, it will bring joy in your life. It will bring the joy in your life. So here's the last one to have joy for your life. This is what Paul talks about. Trust God in all things. Trust God in all things. You know what the word all means in Greek? All. (laughs) Everything. Nothing left out. Trust God in all things. This includes the good, the bad, the big, and the small. I love what Paul says here. And I I think if we can get to this point, I I really believe you can have the joy of the Lord in, in your life. He says this. This is Paul talking again in the jail cell. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. I, did you see that? He says, I learned the secret. It means that you, you have to search this out. You got to know the mystery. You got to really practice this in order to embody it. He says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That little verse right there, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength, it's much more than something that you put on your football helmet, on the bottom of your cleats, or on the mirror so you can make your day better. It's saying that no matter what, you're okay because you have God. You're going to be okay. Because this world is not who gives you strength. It is God who gives you strength. It's the fact that you have the Holy Spirit within you, that Jesus, yes, in fact, died for you, and you have a relationship with him. That is what gives you the strength to go through this world. And if you try to live any other way, you're going to miss it. This is the only way. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Let me tell you, church, we have a God who is trustworthy. We can truly trust him in everything. You have a God that is fighting for you and he wants what's best for you and that no matter what is thrown at you or what your current circumstances may be, you need to know you can do everything through Christ who strengthens you. That's the big God that we serve. And really at the end of the day, if I can say this, and this might cause some offense, all what worry is, Worry just marks the spot where we are mistrusting God. Worry marks the spot where we are mistrusting God. I didn't say distrusting. But I am saying that all worry is is the time where you have the benefit of running to God and giving it to him or you holding on for the rest of the day. You have a moment where you can give it to God and say, God, I trust you, you can do with this. Or you can say, God, my day is so bad, I, I, I don't have time to give you my baggage. I, I, I just trust myself, I can do it. And if you go that, you're, it's, it's not going to bring joy. We worry that our life is not going to actually be life. We worry that it's just going to be average. 
So this is going to be mundane, but we, if you read scripture and spend time with God, you know that God doesn't say that your life is just going to be average. God says that you're a masterpiece made in his image and that he has a God-given purpose in this life right here, right now. Are, are you hearing this, church? Are you hearing this? Because we're missing this point. You're worried that God's not going to do anything, but if you read scripture and be with him, you'll know that God does anything but that. He's always there. We worry that we're always going to struggle with whatever, but God says that, he says you're an overcomer and, and more than a conqueror in Christ. We worry that we're always going to live in fear, but the Bible says no weapon formed against us shall prosper, and the Bible says that you'll never, ever, ever lack a good thing. These are promises of God. Romans 8.31 puts a big cap on this whole issue. This is what our response should be, church. When bad days come, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, finish it off. Who can be against us? If God is for me, then what does this matter? If God is for me, it doesn't matter what happens to my job. It doesn't matter what happens to my paycheck. It doesn't matter with everything around me, with the political climate or how the world's going to end. It does not matter because God has my back. And please, please hear me. I'm with you in this because I have worries and I have stress and I have anxiety. But we're called to have this joy, joy for life, that we're going to pray about everything, think about the right things, trust God in all things. And, and listen, Paul is writing this in a jail cell in Rome where his dreams were to preach to the masses in Rome. But now he's stuck in a jail cell writing this letter. And he's saying he's going to choose joy. And he can't preach on a platform, but he's going to preach to the guard he's chained to. And I love how Paul ends this. It's almost like a, an end credit scene that gives you kind of a teaser. And you guys kind of watch the Marvel movies. Right, and you kind of watch through the whole thing, and you wait till the very after the 15-minute long like ending credits to get that little 15-second blip of what's going to happen, a little teaser. This is what Paul is doing. I love this here. Remember, he wants to preach to Rome. He wants to get Rome saved, and this is what he says. Catch the little catch the little words here. He says, "Give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ. The brothers who are with me send their greetings, and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those." and Caesar's household. Now you're like, whoopee-doo, Vaughn, whatever. Caesar is the king of Rome. Paul was stuck in a jail cell. His dreams were to win Rome for Christ. He thought he had to do it on a platform. He's doing it in a bad day. Are, are you getting this? God has Paul's back. God, know, God knew what Paul wanted to do. It was God, after all, that gave him the passion to win Rome. But Paul was stuck in a jail cell where I think maybe most of us would be like, well, I guess I can't do what God wanted me to do. Paul's saying, no, that's, throw that in the garbage. I'm just going to take advantage. I'm going to preach to this jailer right here. Get him saved. Let's start with that. And it eventually leaked. And now the king of Rome has people in his household that heard the life-saving gospel are now changed. You need to know the things that God has given you, the visions he's placed on your heart, the passion in your life. You may not see it to come to fruition. You may not see it come in the next 5, 10, 15 years, but you need to know God will make it happen. 
And now today, it actually, if you kind of fast forward from Rome to about 150 years, to actually 250 years, Rome becomes a Christian nation. And if you can look at the bigger thing, not only Rome is a Christian nation, but the gospel travels through Spain. All because Paul chose to have joy during a bad day in a jail cell in Rome. You do not know the power of choosing joy in your bad days, church. It will change your life and it can change everyone else's life. You need to know that Paul chose joy in his circumstances and kept doing what God called him to do. And I guess this is kind of the big one that we can kind of cap everything off today. You need to know joy wins every time. Joy wins every single time. When you choose joy, you're choosing victory. Joy wins.